Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It got underway earlier today out in uh, Metairie on Fairline Drive. We were out there. Christian and Bobby and Deuce were all out there. Steve Geller was out there earlier. Heard them talk a lot about it. Christian and Bobby did their show earlier today. We're going to have some sound in just a second from camp, including, uh, I, I thought, one major reveal maybe slip of the tongue by Sean Payton. We'll get to that in just a second. It has to do with Michael Thomas's contract negotiations. You're going to want to hear this. We've got the sound from that. Also, Cam Jordan getting a new deal, and we've got Cam Jordan and also Sean Payton sounding off on that. Tristan Blewett, the NOLA Gold rugby player, got a tryout with the Saints. We kind of talked about that yesterday. We'll tell you how his day went and Steve Quartz on the program at 8.32. Also, we found out who's on Hard Knocks this year. That broke, what, about three hours ago or so, I believe? And it's a team that everybody's going to want to watch. I'll put it that way. If you haven't if you haven't found out yet, uh, we'll tell you a little bit later this hour. 9 p.m. hour, it's going to be a lot of NBA basketball because Pelicans front and center. Zion was in town. We've got Anthony Davis trade rumors heating up. Swin Cash hired by the Pelicans. Scott Kushner's coming in to talk about it, as is Daniel Salerson, the color analyst on the Pelicans radio network. 10 o'clock hour, got to talk Women's World Cup. Congrats again to the United States women. 13-0, a record-setting day day for the women largest margin of victory ever in a world cup 13 nothing alex morgan the sensational striker for the women she scores five goals to tie the record and they're off to a blazing start over in france roger gonzalez of cbs sports will join us and we're going to be mixing it up with ben mintz up in Shreveport. We're going to talk all sorts of stuff. That's it. 10:20. So welcome on into the show. I'm Seth Dunlap. It's Logan Falgu behind the glass. And well, we'll start it off talking Saints minicamp. And of course, the, the big news today was Cam Jordan's new deal. He's signing an extension with the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. It was interesting that he was asking about it. And uh, do we have that sound, Logan? Uh, we, we want Cam Jordan sound. We good? All right. Okay, all right. Thanks, dude. Yeah, we we're just trying to get the sound behind the scenes here. So Cam Jordan, it was interesting. He was talking about, um, you know, whether he thought the deal was done or not. And, uh, well, he said, well, not yet because he hasn't actually put ink to paper. It's just a leak, he said, Cam Jordan told us today. Go ahead and play that sound, Logan. Uh, well, it, it may just be a leak, and I understand why he's saying that. Until he actually signed the deal, he was out at practice as the agents negotiating and Mickey Lewis. Obviously, nothing's a done deal, but... The deal reportedly worth $52.5 million. It's going to mean he's going to stay with the team through 2023. At least that's where the contract runs through. And it's going to put him towards the end of his career. Perhaps not at the end of it, but certainly towards the end of his career. In fact, Cam Jordan was asked about it. Is, is he going to stay in New Orleans for the rest of his career? Here's Cam. 
Yeah, I, I believe Cam. I really believe Cam. Sometimes that's lip service by players, but I believe it. As long as he's getting fair market value, Cam Jordan's is as embedded with this franchise as anybody maybe outside of Drew Brees. And look, he's on the heels of Drew Brees, perhaps, with as far as guys you associate with this franchise. I mean, if you think about it, who you think about as far as faces of the Saints? You think of Drew Brees, certainly. And who's next? Michael Thomas, Cam Jordan, maybe Alvin Kamara. But Cam's been there longer than those other couple of guys. Sean Payton happy, didn't want Cam Jordan to get out of here after this season, said certainly a well-deserved extension. Well, it is a good thing. I mean, you can't let a guy like that walk away. We know that the problems that this franchise has had in finding elite-level pass rushers, and that's what Cam Jordan is. He might not be the best pass rusher in the league, but he's at an elite level, and as far as all-around defensive ends, especially in a 4-3 system, I mean, he's up there with everybody. Run stops, can rush the passer, physical he's durable and he's a leader in the locker room and Sean Payton says certainly glad that Cam's on his team and not the other side so it's a done deal now it is inks to paper we know and Cam Jordan has been officially signed by the New Orleans Saints that was sound out from Saints practice today now here's where it gets interesting to me Sean Payton was asked about Michael Thomas not in a contract extension perspective but just is Michael Thomas turning into a leader? What does he look like out there? And, and Sean Payton offered this in his answer to that question. I want you to listen really closely here. I, I, we're probably going to play this again here because I, I want to give you context. And I want to let, let you listen to it again. Sean Payton had just come off of answering, I think, three different questions about the extension to Cameron Jordan. Then he's asked about a, a separate topic with Michael Thomas. And he offered up, he is sure, and he used the word sure, that Michael Thomas will be the next one extended by the team. Now, you can't take anything that's said in the moment in a press conference as uh, absolute truth. I mean, you're in front of reporters out there. You're coming off of practice. And if this isn't true and, and Michael Thomas isn't here next year for whatever reason or two years down the road or whatever it is, I'm not going to sit there and come back to the sound and say, well, Sean Payton lied. No, I get it. But Sean Payton usually is very meticulous and careful in what he says in the press conferences. So when he says something like this and offers it up unprompted that he is sure Mike, Michael Thomas is going to be the next one extended, something we've talked about really for a couple of years now on whether the Saints are actually going to offer up the money to get that done, which would be around $20 million a year and likely the highest paid receiver in the NFL, you start to listen up here. So listen again. This is Sean Payton again saying he's sure Michael Thomas is going to be the next one extended. Yeah, and, and you can see that at the end. He kind of walks back and says, well, they're, they're just going to be working on it. I get that. You can tell, though, Sean Payton wants to make sure that his guy is actually signed and sealed and one of the best receivers in the league plays here for a very long time. I thought that was very interesting because, uh, look, I haven't covered these press conferences as long as a lot of guys here in the city have, but I've covered enough of them with Sean Payton to know that he does not offer nuggets like that very often. Usually he's very deliberate. It seemed like it, we can watch the actual press conference on our Facebook page, WW Radio Facebook page. You can kind of see his body reacts. I think he, he kind of realized, oh, boy, I shouldn't maybe be saying all this right now, and that's why he kind of walked it back. But that is interesting because it's one of the big questions this offseason is what are they going to do with Michael Thomas? I've argued here on the radio, I am not sure if, if me, and I'm only talking about me, I have no sources telling me this inside the Saints, but if, if Seth Dunlap is the general manager of the Saints or any NFL franchise, I don't know if I'm offering 10% of the cap, give or take a little bit, a little more actually, if you're talking $20 million plus million to Michael Thomas, I don't know if I'm giving you know, 10 11% of the cap to one wide receiver, no matter how good they are. 
you're going to get hi- tired of hearing me tell you this, but in the last 25 years, the salary cap era of the NFL, you have had zero, not one of the highest paid receivers in the NFL win a Super Bowl. Not one. You've only had one of those receivers, the highest paid receiver in any given year in the NFL, even make a Super Bowl, and that was Julio Jones a couple of seasons ago. And there's reasons for that. You can find good production, very good production, maybe not big-time elite-level production. When you're talking about guys four, five, six years into the league, you can find very good production at bottom-level prices. And I'm talking, obviously, relative to the salary cap and the salary structures in the NFL. It's kind of what the running back position has gone through over the last decade or so. A little a reevaluation of how front offices are paying that. So Cam Jordan extended today. Michael Thomas, perhaps he's next. Sean Payton certainly wants it to happen. What do you think? I'm curious. What do you think about Cam Jordan's extension? And what do you make of Sean Payton's comments about Michael Thomas? Give me a call, 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Our text line is 87870. Again, it's Logan Falgo behind the glass today, our producer. And I'm Seth Dunlap, the last lap continuing on WWL. Yeah, that's Sean Payton talking about Michael Thomas being the next one that they're going to negotiate with. No surprise there. What's surprising is that he offered up that he's sure, and if you listen to that sound clip, he's sure that um, it certainly came off that he's sure that he's the next one that's going to be extended. Now these are negotiations. Sean knows that. And I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill here, but Sean Payton usually doesn't offer up stuff like that in Nuggets like, oh, he's sure he's going to be – it sounded like he's going to be signed. Here's a text from the 504 – who's fired off one, two, three, four tweets on this. He's really fired up about Sean Payton and me saying this from the 504. Is the Thomas thing so surprising, the texter says. Nothing is done, though. No surprise. Thomas is the next one up. Doesn't mean anything other than the next one up. What are you trying to say? Question mark, exclamation point. I don't get it. What other player would be the next player to be extended other than Thomas? No one. That is my point. Multiple periods there. And I think there is nothing more. Well, here's why. Let me let me break it down for you, 504. Why, in my mind, this was a fairly big... Again, this was unprompted by Sean Payton. This wasn't a question that a reporter asked, hey, are you going to get Michael Thomas done next? This was a question about Michael Thomas's leadership on the field and how he looks at minicamp practice. And Sean Payton goes into this. This was unprompted. And the reason it's a big deal is a lot of the speculation... Here locally has been, well, will the Saints, who traditionally have been very reluctant to pay good to great receivers top-level money, would they do that with Michael Thomas, who certainly is the best receiver that they've ever had in the Drew Brees, Sean Payton era? I don't think there's any question about that anymore. And if you think that somehow that's not true, go ahead and call me. We'll debate that one right here, right now. But they have been frugal with their cap management. Perhaps not Patriots-level frugal but frankly nobody's patriots level frugal perhaps they should be i talked about it a lot perhaps more franchises should treat the salary cap and the management of it exactly like the patriots do folks there's a reason they've won these six super bowls it's not a coincidence the patriots don't pay receivers top level money 10 percent of the cap they don't pay running backs 10 plus million dollars a year If they think they're overpaying a guy or going to have to overpay a guy to re-sign them or sign them, they do not do it. Now, they're kind of alone on that top tier. There's other franchises right behind them that have been frugal that way. The Saints are one of them. The Ravens. 
the Packers, the Seahawks, the traditionally usually competitive franchises. I think that's the reason why those franchises I just named are usually pretty competitive and either in or around the playoff hunt. It would take a shift in philosophy, in my mind, for the Saints to go out and say, okay, Michael Thomas, we're going to make you the highest paid receiver in the league. We're going to throw a $20 million a year extension at you. And they may feel that's necessary. And I'm not going to sit here and say that it's outrageous that they would do that when you have a guy of Michael Thomas's caliber. And, and I want to make it very clear, from Michael Thomas's perspective, he should want that kind of money. When he sees Odell Beckham, who's got all the off-the-field problems, who can't get along with some of his teammates, who makes a fool of himself on the sidelines and in the media, who's been injured, who's been disruptive, who isn't showing up to OTAs up in Cleveland when he was just traded there, getting in fights with national media guys. Michael Thomas doesn't do any of that. And frankly, right now, I think Michael Thomas is a better receiver. Period. End of story. So it's not surprising from Michael Thomas's perspective that he sees Odell Beckham making, what, $18.5 million a year on average? And he says, oh, come on here. I've outperformed Odell on the field. I've outperformed nearly every receiver on the field in the last three years in the NFL. I want to be paid like the best receiver in the league. He should want that. He should want that. But this isn't about what he wants, at least not how I'm framing the conversation. I'm framing it from a Saints perspective. And I think all the Saints fans out there want this franchise to be very good for a long time. And to do that, you got to make very tough salary cap decisions. So I'm not going to dwell on this for the entire hour, but I thought it was interesting and just to push back on the 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 text from the 504, the 1234 text from the 504, very fired up about this. No, it's not. He basically might, and you can text me back if, if I'm interpreting your text wrong, 504, but it sounds like you think it's a no-brainer that the Saints should re-sign Michael Thomas. I absolutely do not think that. I absolutely don't think that. And I would have debates on end with anybody about this. Here's a text from the 251. Seth, glad to hear you. I keep getting CBS uh, Network Sports, and I appreciated it. But after an hour, I wanted to drive into a tree. I love locally produced radio. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah, we're back on. Went on a little vacation. Doing a little of uh, a last lap road show a couple of weeks ago, last week as well. Then we had LSU baseball, so we were bouncing all over the place. But now that LSU baseball is out of the College World Series and NCAA tournament, unfortunately, yeah, we got a lot more time to talk to you on a Nightly basis here on WWL. This is the kind of like fake news stuff that we get. Text from the 985. Then play the reporter's question. That way nobody doubts it. I told you you can go, go listen to it for yourself. We've got the entire press conference for you on our WWL radio Facebook page. If you think I'm sitting here on uh, our radio station that reaches 38 states at night and am lying to you, I don't know what to tell you, 985. Like, uh, I don't if you think that I'm just lying to you on the radio, I don't know why you listen to the show. I'm telling you what happened. It's a weird text. I heard Bobby uh, going off about uh, some tennis earlier today. I don't know Bobby was such a, a huge tennis fan. Was it tennis or golf? Was it tennis or golf he was talking about? It was tennis, right? Yeah, it was tennis. I'm seeing all these texts uh, lower in the text line that are they're giving Bobby some business out there. Our phone number is 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. 
Our text line is 870-870. Again, Women's World Cup in action. United States national team 13 to nothing over Thailand today. They scored 13 goals today. The United States men's national team has scored 13 goals in the past 6,000 days. Steve Court next. I'll give. Uh, I'll read another text from that texture saying, play the audio, we don't believe you. And then he texts back, I don't doubt you, but like me, others are driving and can't listen. I'm going to do talks to text. Uh, the reason that we don't play, or I don't want to speak for anybody else, the reason that I don't play reporters' questions here in these press conferences is pretty simple from an audio perspective. Uh, we don't have those reporters mic'd up. So a lot of times it is very hard to hear, and frankly, it's just terrible audio. So if you're wondering why, well, why don't you play the reporter's question, uh, that's that's why. Sometimes we do. If it's good audio, sometimes we don't. Steve Court's on the line now. Steve Court, former Saints offensive lineman, and my partner in Sunday morning crime here on WWL during football season on Fans First Take during Saints game days. Steve, minicamp. What's going on, buddy? Here we go. Yeah, it's been a mini camp. It was today. Yep. Yeah. Out there all day, you know, yep, from, from early till late. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of that, what'd you make of Cam Jordan's extension? Uh, he's a done deal. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. Oh, it okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's well, uh, three I, years. Uh, yeah. What is it? See, if three years, 53. Yeah. Uh, if it's not, it's formality. It will be, but uh, well deserving. I mean, uh, if there's, there's a handful of guys that you can think of that, that would deserve something like that in this day and age. And, and uh, certainly he fits that bill. I mean, as a guy that plays, I think he's played every game. You know, I don't think he's missed any games uh, since his career here. And at the same time, you know, he plays the run just as good as he pays the pass. He's one of the kind of throwback type guys that's uh, sort of rare these days. So um, I have ultimate respect for Cam Jordan. In the locker room, Steve, it seems like his value can't really be quantified with a dollar figure, what he means in that locker room and to the younger players on this roster either, right? Well, he's a very bright guy. And and what he says, um, you know, echoes through that locker room. Um, and and really guys, you know, take him at his word for it. And, really, and he backs it up. So I think when you have a guy that has that, um, you know, he's a pretty vociferous guy. You know, there's no question. He's kind of a loud talkative kind of guy and uh, he's a funny guy but at the same time he's um, he speaks a lot of wisdom with what he talks about and I think that uh, you know players gravitate towards that especially in, in tough times and and uh, and that, that he's a great leader there's no question what'd you see from the guys in the trenches today Steve out there well Steph you know it's a little it's, it's difficult when they don't when they're just running around their underwear there, there's not <laughs> There's not a whole lot you can do with if you don't have gear on. But at the same time, you have to keep in mind that, that you can get a lot of things done. You just have to put it in perspective of this is what we can get done with with the gear that we have. So um, that being said, uh, look, I, again, like I've told you like this for the third year in a row, that um, man, we've got a stable of horses <laughs> at that offensive line position. Um it, it, it's it's unique. It's a bunch of really, really athletic guys. That, uh, it, it just keeps surprising me each and every year that, that they can find these guys. And uh, But the one thing that I will say, and I'm glad that it's minicamp, um, you know, years in the past when you had, uh, you know, a, a Zach Streif there and then a, a recently a retired Max Unker that was still there, there was a lot of uh, veteran um, 
uh, I don't want to say solidarity, but there was so much influence there that um, minicamp was almost a second thought, and there wasn't a whole lot of learning going on. Uh, the opposite is that is happening this year. There is a ton of young guys and a lot of talented young guys, but nevertheless, a ton of young guys that don't know how to play uh, the professional game yet, and they're just learning to, and they will, and they're learning. They're learning quickly, and I'll tell you this: from from last year to this year, just the young guys that I've watched develop um, is remarkable. I mean, Rauscher and, and, and Nugent, his, his assistant, uh, had just done, again, uh, a miracle job. I mean, they, they just sort of, um, you know, you can't change lead into gold. <laughs> That's called alchemy, right? But but these guys, they do this with these players. They get these guys, these young guys, and they turn these guys into really good football players. And, and the improvement they make is uh, is incredible. I heard a lot of people commenting on uh, Eric McCoy, his size, and also how he has kind of smoothly transitioned in with all the guys that you mentioned that are still there. Is that what you saw too? Transitioning how? I, I, he, has, there, he hasn't transitioned yet in the play part of it. He's transitioned because he's going to be a good teammate and he's a he's a good rookie. He's a he's a good pup at this point. He's Oh, he's just soaking up everything he can, and he's got a great attitude. And I'll tell you this: there's one thing that that uh, about that Saints organization, Seth, and, and you've known this for years. That there's a first box that you have to check off <laughs> before you even get past the door in that organization. It's called character, and every one of those guys has that. And so the fact that um, you know this is the kind of player that they go after, um, it's really really fun to work with them because they're. Uh, like I said before, I say things to them and give them tips and pointers and, and different ways to look at things. And this is why, you know, I'm justifying this kind of stuff to them and, and they just can't get enough of it. And uh, and it's because they want to learn it and they want to become good pros. And so this is what uh, this is what's happening right now. And, and these young players are beginning to sort of assimilate into that. Uh, you know, some of the older guys now, and I say older guys, I mean, Ramchek, he's not, he's not that old guy at all. You know, Armstead is not an old guy at all. Larry Warford is not an old guy. Andrews Pete's not an old guy. But, but those are the most sort of senior veteran guys that they have there. Um, and so, really, the young, the young guys that are having to come in sort of and and, uh, and buckle up at this point, um, they're filling in well. And you can tell that there's going to be uh, again, they're going to have a great problem. And that problem is they're going to have to put some people on the street at some point um, that are really good football players. Steve Quartz at Saints 60 on Twitter, former Saints offensive lineman with us here, chatting Saints minicamp on the last lap. A lot of the newcomers were front and center today. Uh, lots to talk about guys like Latavius Murray, Simi Cobbs, I think yeah. Cyril Grayson, Steve, the, the speedy track star yeah. from from LSU who has bounced around in the NFL off some rosters and practice squads, but Sean Payton really likes him. You see anything from those guys today? Well, I, I mean, I saw Murray. Uh, obviously, I'm watching him because I'm, you know, I'm watching the interior line. I'm watching him, you know, get the ball and seeing kind of what he's doing. And he's a, uh, I mean, this guy's, this is a big old guy. <laughs> this guy, he's, he's uh, probably an inch taller than I am, you know. And uh, was that big, huh? Yeah, he's a big, big tall guy. And at the same time, um, he's got some real good sort of quick movements, and uh, he's flashy. He's got a lot of speed, but at the same time, I think. Once you get gear on, come on, this this big of a back, uh, he's going to be our horse. There's no way he's going to be our hammer. I mean, that's what he's going to end up being. But um, 
certainly fun to watch him. And then obviously you see what's happening with, uh, you know, Jared Cook has, has been this guy that we've sort of since, you know, vacated from Jimmy Graham since we left. We haven't sort of had that tight end that was a kind of a go-to guy. And I'm not taking anything against the guys we have there now. But at, at the same time, um, there's a certain different level of, of athlete in this guy. Um, certainly has that. We, you know, we've watched him for years, you and I both, uh, you know, when he was with other teams. And it seemed like he was just really on the verge of, of breaking out and it being something, uh, you know, really sort of being at upper echelon tight end. And you could see that uh, with this offense and, and, and Sean Payton's creativity and how he likes to use tight ends. And then uh, the key factor is having number nine there. Um, I can't think that anything but this is uh, is going uphill for this guy. This is going to be good for us. And speaking of the quarterback, Steve, I know you got your eyes, you know, in the trenches, but Teddy Bridgewater and even JT Barrett were, were impressing people out there uh, today. What did you see from them? Well, you know, it's like these younger guys, are, and, and, and you know, Barrett's obviously a real young guy coming in here and doing this. But um, you see that, you know, the you know he makes he makes you know these sort of um, these leaps and bounds and things like that, and and it's it's they're all over the place. You know, so one day one throws great, one throws not so great. You know, and one you know one time he's got his eyes down the field, and he's moving well, and the next time he he's, you know he feels the rush and. So it's got a lot of inconsistency yet, because you would expect that, you know. And and then Bridgewater uh, is is different. He's you can tell he's been there. He's the veteran. It's not anything that that's uh, that he has not seen. Um, and, and obviously he has a you know he's a great ball that he throws. So there's no question about that. And then and you've got the guy that's sort of the uh, the be all the end all in, in Hill Taysom Hill, who can do just about you know anything you ask him to do. And and uh, and he's turning into a really good quarterback. Not that he wasn't, but I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that he is. Uh, he was throwing some some balls today that, um, I mean, he was spinning the football and it was coming out of there. It was accurate. It wasn't flying all over the place like I've seen it before. But um, you know, he was re- he's he's greatly improved uh, with the reps that he's getting. You know, we've talked so much the last few years, Steve, about oh, you know, how is it different in training camp without yeah. you can't hit and you can't hit with pads and no contact and like you said, guys are running around in their underwear. That's kind of old news to me. But I, I am curious: right. is it uh, uh, since a lot of these guys are young that are coming to the league, and I think the majority now NFL rosters actually are guys who don't know an NFL before all these rule changes that happened, you know, a handful of years ago or so. Uh, does it seem like that everybody's kind of used to this now? That it's just kind of you know old hats, uh, even just you know like again a handful of years into it. It seems like it's, it certainly has evolved into that stuff. And like I said before, uh, even though that you can certainly still tell a lot about a player um, when they don't have gear on. Just obviously the, you, the physicality part of it, which is is the, uh, the biggest part of being you know in the line or in the trench, I should say, is is, is sort of taken away, but not really taken all that too much away. Um, there's still you have to do everything technique wise that you would normally have to do, you know, if you were playing a football game. So with everybody's got, you know, gear on both sides. So you still have to, you still have to practice that in in such a fashion that, that you don't create bad habits. And so in order to do that, you have to really, really be sort of focused on what your technique is and almost exaggerated sometimes at some points because you don't have gear on. Uh, but really, what what uh, most of that's out there for, and and you'll uh, in many camps, by and large, Seth are are designed for, you know, uh, the first um, 
you know, three seconds of a football play. You know, making sure that when you line up, you know who you're supposed to block. You know who what your assignment is. You know who's comes free on a blitz pickup, who you've got, and those types of things. What kind of calls you need to make and getting all that stuff clean is sort of the biggest aspect of it. And if you practice those things accordingly, you can you can really improve a lot. Um, and that will, if you can assimilate it correctly, um, you can still get some really good practice in without doing the physical part. All right. Now, the the real question that I saved to the end, Steve, of course, is uh, Stanley Cup Finals, Game 7. Tomorrow, oh, bro. God. You got the Blues and the Bruins. It goes back to Boston. Give me a little breakdown yeah. here. Who's going to win this thing? Boy, I tell you what, I mean... <laughs> I, you know, St. Louis had a great chance the other night, and they choked. That's all it was. They choked. I think they absolutely got so psyched out thinking that they had this within, you know, three periods of of, of taking the cup home um, that it got too big for them. And then you've got to sort of give it to to Boston. Um, they put it on them, and they they said, "There's no way that we're going down." And and they uh, they beat them to the puck. They beat them almost every time to the puck, and. And look, St. Louis's big thing is putting the body on them, and they, you know, they do a great job of, you know, a chip, uh, chase and check, you know, which is sort of what is a, just a good way to sort of tack into a zone. You, know, you chip the puck into the corner, and then you put the big physical bodies on the guy. And, and St. Louis is known for that. And the more the aggressive that St. Louis gets uh, in this game, uh, the better they play. And I think that when they take Boston. Uh, when they when they put the the body on Boston, I think that's the only way they're going to win it. Because if they try to um, if they try to match Boston um, at this juncture with with uh, the way that they're fighting back right now, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's an overtime game. I'm certainly sort of pulling for the Blues, but at the same time, uh, if I had to, if, if I was a betting person and I had to like forget my heart and, and listen to my head, I would have to bet on Boston. There you go. It's Game 7, Stanley Cup Finals decider tomorrow at 7 p.m. Central time in Boston. And, yeah, I saw you had a, a Blues shirt. I think I saw you on, on Twitter the other day. Is that right? You had a, you had a little oh, Blues yeah. shirt? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge hockey fan. You know, it's not my favorite team, but, uh, you know, the Caps and, and the Chicago Blackhawks are still my teams. But, um, look, they're right in there. So, uh, and, and I just, I'm sort of tired of Boston winning this stuff yeah. all the time. Right. Everybody's tired of Boston, man. Uh, yeah, well, it's just yeah, hats off to them, but at the same time, it's yeah, it's uh, it's it's getting nauseating. <laughs> I know. Well, uh, stay tuned. We'll have the WWL NHL show coming up with Steve Court uh, every weekend or something like that. Uh, Steve, always appreciate the chats, man. We'll see you out at minicap this week. Thanks so much. Pleasure's all mine. I'll see you. All right, there he goes at Saint sixty on Twitter. Got to give him a follow there. It's Steve Court, former Saints offensive lineman. Uh, coming back with your calls. Just had a caller drop off. If you want to call back in, it's five zero four two six zero one eight seventy. Our text line is eight seventy eight seventy. We'll get to all of your calls and text. Coming back here the last part of this hour. Also, we found out who's going to be on Hard Knocks, and I think everybody is going to love exactly who the NFL chose. We'll get to that coming up next here on The Last Lap. Here's a text from the 225. If you believe, which I believe, that Drew Brees made Michael Thomas and that he doesn't necessarily win downfield and isn't a top five overall wide receiver, then you franchise him. Let him ride it out with Drew Brees and don't have the long-term investment. Well, I, I disagree with your premise here. I don't understand how you wouldn't have Michael Thomas in your top five. I, I said yesterday when we were doing our little clap back at the uh, NFL Network fan poll 
that had Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins as the top two receivers in the league. Uh, Michael Thomas, I think, got bounced in the quarterfinals there. Quarterfinals of semis. Now, I think if he's not the best receiver in the league right now, I, I think he's in the top two, maybe top three. And we could have an argument there, and I, and I would get it. But if you think he's outside the top five, uh, I don't know there. So I disagree with that, and I also disagree that he doesn't win downfield. I mean, this guy catches passes everywhere. And he's better at catching touchdown passes than Julio Jones has been the last few years. But to your point here, this is where I do agree. Just like Eli Apple, not the same situation, but I think it's comparable. Remember, Eli Apple, they had a chance to pick up his fifth-year option this last year. Would have paid him about $13.5 million next season, not this season. You could have kept him around in New Orleans. I said that didn't make sense because you could franchise Eli Apple. Let's say Eli Apple goes out there, has an all-pro type of year, pro bowl type of year even, and they want to keep him around and can't come to a long-term extension, a long-term extension. We could franchise him for around $16 million, give or take a little bit, when those numbers come out. I mean, it's only going to cost you $3 million more in one season to not have given him that extension, talking about Eli Apple here, and then go and franchise the guy if he actually performs on the field. That is a smart, prudent, and frugal thing to do if you're the Saints. Same with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas isn't going to want any part of that. In fact, I would bet that Michael Thomas holds out and makes a big stink of it. I would if I was Michael Thomas. But again, this is the, the dirty side of the NFL that is a business. From a, an organizational perspective, you're right. You could franchise Michael Thomas and not have to pay him $20, 21000000 million a year when Drew Brees isn't here. It's a very interesting conversation to have. So I told you we found out who's going to be on Hard Knocks, and everybody excited about this. I am, you should be, the Oakland Raiders, soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders, going to be on Hard Knocks, the HBO reality series that comes out in August. And that is so interesting because John Gruden, even today in his press conference, was going off about, well, oh, you know, they might even put us on Hard Knocks. I don't like it. He's been very vocal about his displeasure at the notion of having HBO cameras out at his practices. So has owner Mark Davis. I, I think Davis, didn't he say something about he'd, he'd fire Gruden rather than subject the team or have the team on hard knocks? I think so. But here we go. It's going to be hard knocks Raiders style this summer, and I love it. I mean, you want to talk about a soap opera, you get Chucky, John Gruden, you get Davis, you get the last year in Oakland. Oh, it's going to be fun. As much fun as the Browns were in Baker Mayfield's rookie year, I think the, I think the Raiders are going to be just as much watch TV as the Browns were. Our phone number is 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870, wherever you are, across the city, across the country. And our text line is 870-870. We'll take one final break this hour. As the last lap continues on WWL. Again, lots of welcome backs on Twitter and the text line. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back. Much needed vacay. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We have to kind of, with all of our coverage of the Saints and the Pelicans and LSU football, and then on into LSU basketball and baseball, we kind of got to take our all of our vacation time in the summer so we overlap all of each other here on the station. I was talking to Bobby today, and he's here for minicamp. And then he's he's gone pecan, I think, for a couple of weeks. Much deserved, Bobby. Get on out of here if you're still listening. Here's a text line from the 504. I love that stat about the U.S. women national team's 13 goals. So let me give it to you again if you just if you just joined us because it is a great stat. 
And I'll give credit to Timothy Burke at Bubba Prague on Twitter who tweeted this out. It's a good one. The U.S. Women's National Team, 13-0. They shut out, and I guess it's 13-0. Let me get the the phrasing right there. 13-0, they shut out Thailand in their World Cup opener. The largest margin of victory in World Cup history. Congrats to the U.S. team. Timothy Burke tweets, and he's right here. Great stat. The United States Women's National Team has scored 13 World Cup goals today. The United States men's national team has scored 13 World Cup goals in the past 6,202 days. Yeah, that's because the men's national team failed to make the World Cup last go-around. We'll talk a little World Cup in hour number three. Roger Gonzalez of CBS Sports will join us from France to break it all down. We're going to go live on Facebook in a second. Next hour, more Saints. We'll also talk Pelicans. Scott Kushner of The Advocate comes in to talk about Pelicans' possible trade partners for Anthony Davis and also the hiring of Swin Cash. Daniel Salerson is in also, the Pelicans radio color analyst and – Talk about why those who called Kevin Durant selfish and soft look pretty silly now. Going live on Facebook, WW Radio Facebook page. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 